to the In the Bag podcast. I'm your host from partly overcast Houston, Texas, Jonathan Slaughter. And with me as always is Jazzy James Holliman from Oakland, Berkeley. Berkeley, always Berkeley. Is it sunny? Yes. yes. It's not winter. It's generally <laughs> it's generally sunny here. So we're doing alright. Good to be uh, back again this week. Yeah, it's good to get back on it. Uh, a pretty uh, Pretty, it wasn't as interesting as it could have been, but you know, Bryson really took the bull by the horns last weekend. Shoots a what a seven or eight under on the final day to win by three strokes yep. over Matt Wolf, who honestly was by the end of the round was playing really great golf. He just put himself in such a hole at the beginning, starting off two over through like the first five holes that he just couldn't recover. Yeah, um, he, he did, I thought he was going to push him though. I mean, he had that that eagle putt on. Uh, 17 that would have brought him within one, but then Bryson goes down and smashes a 364 yard drive on like a 400 yard hole on the final uh, on the final hole, and you have to give him. I mean, in my opinion, you got to give him credit going for the going for the jugular instead of just you know trying to play conservatively. Yeah, I mean it was it was an impressive performance off the tee. I didn't get to watch a ton of it, but I saw a lot of highlights uh, from Bryson last week, and I saw that drive and I was like, wow, what a bomb. And then somebody said it was his drive on the 18th hole to make birdie to win, and I was like, all right. I don't, I don't find it that interesting or exciting, but, like, I took my cap off because, like, to, to, to just go, this is my tournament, I'm going to win it or lose it with the best club in my bag, you know, regardless of the outcome, is pretty impressive. And I just think when you have that kind of confidence with that club, like, for, for us, the thought of, like, being up, you know, two strokes going into the 18th hole is, and, and pulling driver out of the bag when you don't have to necessarily for someone like him is like daunting. But for him, that's the that's the club in the back he's the most confident with. So why would he not pull driver out? Like it's just it's the play that makes sense for him. If he goes somewhere else, that's when he's actually taking a risk. So um, I, yeah, it's I just think, where he's um, most I think I think his approach actually lends well to him making the right decisions at the right time because he's not going to play. He's not, he's not, like, letting the emotion, like, get to him. He's just like, well, this is a math equation, and this is what I need to do, and, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I mean, so. by, by having by having that club in the bag and feeling so confident in it, he takes the, the guesswork and the thought out of golf, which is part of what makes it, you know, tough for some guys to win at the end of a tournament. So it's, it's definitely an advantage for him to just have that. And it's the same way with, like, Rory when he's locked in with the driver, right? Like he's just pulling it out of the bag on every hole, regardless. Because he, I mean, he obviously doesn't have the distance advantage, but all all guys that are like that elite off the tee with that kind of distance have just an inherent advantage when they're feeling that confident with that club. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know it's pretty interesting. So he's now the favorite or the second favorite in all the majors, and this is what I don't understand personally is that he's the most He's the longest shot in the Masters, or I'm sorry, the British Open, which makes sense to me. But like the British Open would be a course where he, you just can't overpower. So I get that. But the Masters to me is like the course. I feel like I would be the most confident in them because it's not super prohibitive off the tee unless you, you know you're in the woods or something like that, which of course is possible. But it's not like the rough. I mean, Patrick Reed won the Masters and he was like not great off the tee at all. That like one can. of the more iconic scenes we have from the Masters is Phil playing out of the, out of the trees. Uh, was that is that thirteen or is that eleven? 
Ugh, I should I should know my yeah. holes at Augusta. But you know what I mean? Like, and Bama, and Bama as well. Right. So it, yeah, it, I I think it, the other thing that like doesn't prohibit Bryson is that like there's there's trees kind of tunneling your drivers. So you, which is interesting that Bubble one has won two Masters because he's a like a notorious ball shaper. But so like that's the one thing. But Bryson hits the ball dead straight. He's not really a a big mover of the golf ball. He can when he has to, but that's not his M.O., so... Yeah, I, I, I do think that's weird. I'm not sure why specifically they picked the Masters. Maybe it's just because history matters. Playing there matters, and, and they also... like yeah, it'll, it'll, typically the Masters is the most stacked field. It'll also be uh, later in the year, right? So the ball won't be flying as far there, as far because yeah, it'll gonna be, be like, cold. It's going to be like in November. Right? Yeah, it'll be in November. So. It actually may be cold there. Like, yeah, I, I think it'll probably be like 50s, 60s, which would make things interesting and maybe take away some of that advantage. I, I, I don't know what the thought process is, but my favorite thing of the weekend was Bryson getting a little shot in it. Or, uh, Brooks getting a little shot in it, Bryson, with the uh, the gif that, that Hash sent us. Do you see that? Yeah. yeah. That was pretty good. Brooks is, Brooks is funny, man. When he wants to they, be. They don't like each other. No, they definitely don't. So, if they if they aren't paired together next tournament, then like the PGA Tour is doing something wrong. Yeah, sure. So overall, though, you know, was there some guys that stuck out to you who did well, and some guys or some guys that stuck out to you who did poorly uh, for our club up, club down section? Yeah, I think guys that are sticking out. First one we ha- we already talked about him a lot because he won is Bryson. I mean, he's just been on a tear. His last six tournaments, all top ten finishes, is impressive. But also, like, lumped in sort of that category. I think Webb Simpson and Terrell Hatton, you still have to kind of talk about them every time. I think I w- it would be hard-pressed for me to find a tournament where, uh, moving forward, I wouldn't consider placing a top ten bet on all three of those guys. Because they, they've just been locked in all season. And all three guys finished top eight again last week. So it's been that model of consistency since the comeback and even for like, you know, Webb, Bryson and, and Hatton actually have all were all playing well going into the break as well. So I think those are three guys you have to look at as as, you know, top at least top ten top fifteen players and they're probably all right now playing like top ten guys. And then the other guy that I think is on a really good trajectory is is Victor Hovland. Twenty three, twenty one, eleven and twelve since we've come back. He put on a I think he was Second in strokes gained tee to green behind Bryson last week, and it, it was it was a masterclass in ball striking. Unfortunately for him, he lost like three strokes on the greens or something like that, and around and, and, and around the greens, he just hasn't been able to find his putter, which is something I thought he was at least solid at last year. So it's weird for that to have sort of left him completely this season. So I think he's turning in the right direction. Eventually, the putter's going to get really hot and one of these finishes is going to, you know, be a third or a fourth or a second and you're going to you're going to want to be playing him or betting him when that happens. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was kind of a weird tournament. Right? Like I think uh guys turning up uh Adlin, uh has been solid since the reboot. I like him a lot for this weekend as well. I think the course fits what he's trying to do. Nonetheless, he's been very good. Ryan Armour, another, I think this is his second in a row top six finish. Didn't have a great last day. I think the pressure kind of got to him. You know, he's uh, he, he's going to have his limitations because he's obviously older. He's like 44, and he's not driving the ball far off the tee, but he's been great since the reboot. And then Tyrell Adam continues to put together a very solid year. I think, you know, this is his second 
Uh, you know, he obviously finished second behind Webb two weeks ago, and then uh, finished his T4 this, uh, this past weekend. I think he, he's moving into the territory, whereas if it's like a you get in half the top guys like you are in this tournament, I think he's like a top five guy. And he's moving into that top ten territory, I think. I mean, particularly with how he finished last year as well. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree about Hatton. Also, I relate to him the most. I love when he, when they like catches, catches stuff. You know, he hits a bad tee shot or something, and it was, oh, that was a great swing, Terrell. Great swing. <laughs> you suck. And I'm just like, wow, I do that to myself, and it feels so good. I feel validated right now. So I, I, I love, love Terrell Hatton. He's, he's a lot of fun to watch, and hopefully more success for him going forward so I can continue to root for him and play him. For guys that I don't like, three guys on the list. One, not as surprising, he was coming, Scotty Scheffler is coming off an injury, uh, and his, his three tournaments have been a 55th and a cut cut since he's come back, and last this past week was interesting because he shot around 179 and then around 265, so he's, he's showing signs of coming back, uh, but he's not playing that well right now. And then the other two guys I kind of grouped together in Sunk JM and Colin Morikawa, each of them has like either miscuts or finishes in the 50s, 60s over their last two, three tournaments, which is incredibly uncharacteristic of them. But the thing that has kind of held them back is they haven't been able to shoot low rounds, right? None of them are shooting, neither of them are shooting 65, 66s, 64s. Everything has just kind of been solid. And with the quality of field and the and the type of courses they're playing right now, just solid hasn't been good enough for high finishes or big cuts, right? Like Ar- Arnold Palmer, we saw really low winning scores, but we're not at courses where you can you know win with a minus six, minus seven right now. You're gonna have to have big days, big rounds, and they just haven't been able to put that out yet. Again, guys, I think will figure it out, but right now just are not playing that great. Yep, Sheffield is definitely on my list as well. Another guy I actually want to give a shout out before. Uh, or uh, playing well is uh, Wesley Bryan. Oh, yeah. He, I think he's been like, I don't think he's been more than $6,600 since the reboot. I'm pretty sure he's finished in the top 30 in all three tournaments on the, on the reboot. So, uh, you know, I guess we're going to have to start playing Wesley Bryan. Maybe, or maybe he's just on a hot streak. I'm not sure. But he's, ever since he got in that limelight from him and Boba, he's been just pounding it out there. So. Uh, yeah. Everybody should be uh, Bubba's friend, I guess. <laughs> Scheffler, for sure. Uh, Rory Sabatini has not played well since the reboot. Uh, two courses that he played well in last year, Rock Mortgage this past weekend, and Chowders the weekend before, missed the cut both times. Uh, so something's very off of him, and he just he's just not giving himself any chances to uh, go out and shoot low scores, which he's definitely very capable of. No one else really stuck out to me this weekend outside of Scheffler, who I was, you know, pretty disappointed in. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, in some days, well, I mean, he's, you know, he's still making cuts and whatnot, but he's just, he, he just, he doesn't have the same, it doesn't look like he has the same confidence in all the clubs that he's had over the past. Yeah, he, he doesn't seem as confident, but it's really interesting that specifically the DraftKings market is so... I don't. What's I think bullish is the correct term, right? They haven't dropped his yeah. price the same way they would drop somebody else's price who hasn't finished better than like fifty sixth over the last three tournaments. Right. So I, I think that he's one of the more talented, consistent golfers in the world. He just 
going through a bit of a... He's just consistently average right now, which is unfortunate. But I, I do expect him to figure it out, and I think that the, the DraftKings market and the betting market both show that they expect him to figure it out sooner or later as well. But right now, I, they're just... I mean, you can just go a little bit cheaper for, like, a Neiman, who's somebody that's been playing better as late as of late. Or you can go a little bit more expensive for, you know, a Hovland or a Rose or whatever. So it's 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 an interesting week this week where, like, normally I'd say slam some JM, and I'll definitely play him in some lineups. But I just think there, there are options right now around him, and, and the way he's struggling makes you want to play those options, like Hovland or something like that right now. But maybe it means he's low ownership this week, and that's a reason to pivot to him, and it could be his week to come back. It, it, it just depends what you what, what risk you're looking to take and where you're looking to take it this week, I think. Right. So let's go on to this weekend. Um, so by this time next week, you will be an expert at explaining what Mirko Village is. I'm only going to uh, do it once. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll talk that's about the course enough. changes they make uh, for next week. Well, but well, some people may listen for next week. That's true. Know? That's true. Oh, okay, I'll do. It. I guess I'll do it twice. Yeah. So it's par 72, 7,300 yards. We're in Dublin, Ohio, quote unquote Jack's place. I believe this is technically like Jason Day's home course. I think he's a member here. Although it he is. Never yeah, it is Jason Day's home course. He's never finished top ten in eleven tries here. <laughs> <laughs> he's made the cut. I, he's made the cut, but he never. Oh, he's, okay. He does not have a top ten or like a, a good finish at this course, which is wild. It's like like minutes from his house. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. But uh, but anyway, take it away. What are we looking at this weekend? Yeah, so like you said, I, I guess a, an interesting thing to note, the reason I'm going to have to talk about this course twice in two, in two weeks is because they're going to play back-to-back tournaments here, which is uh, it's pretty interesting. They PGA Tour does have plans to change up the course. They're lengthening some holes a little bit this year, so it's or not this year, this week, so it's going to play somewhere around 74.50. Uh, played as the 13th easiest course on tour last year, but I expect it to play even easier than last year's results just because they're they're going to ease up the course this first weekend they're going to add length but they're going to be uh shortening the rough for this week as well as as you talked about a little bit earlier before the podcast they're going to be slowing the greens down so the scent meter rating is going to go from 13 to 11 which should make them more receptive to approach play and putts as well so scores rain winning scores over the last nine years have ranged from minus thirteen to minus nineteen, and the cut line ran from minus three to minus two. So I would expect a, a lower winning score in a cut line around minus three to minus four this year, uh, if you're looking for somebody to win. So maybe we get up to minus twenty, minus twenty one from the winner. Stat wise, this week I think there are five main things to look at. Uh, there are a couple of couple of other stats I would have liked to have looked at. Uh, I know you you took into account uh, fairway bunker play and that sort of and, and around the green play is something you wanted to look at. I, I regrettably cut those two things because I I think there were there were other things I wanted to look at to gain advantages in the field. So starting off strokes gain approach. This is a ball striking course. It's the biggest weight in my model. I think you want guys that are going to give themselves Bernie opportunities. I think you want guys that are going to be having playing good shots into the par fives so we're gonna we're gonna look at that uh we want people that are playing strong off the tee uh distance wise and accuracy wise this is a more punishing course for missing fairways so we're gonna look at strokes gained off the tee as a whole so we can take both those into account uh we're at a par 72 where over 40 percent of the scoring happens on the par five so we're gonna look at par five scoring and then the 
the two final two stats kind of go together. Of the ten par fours, four of them range, or six of them range from 450 to 500 yards, and then all four par threes, their uh, shots range from 175 to 200. So we're going to be playing, looking at uh, longer approach shots, 175 to 200 approach proximity, uh, as well as uh, par four efficiency on the long par fours. So complete opposite of the par fives, you have a very minimal amount of scoring that happens on the par fours the from 450 to 500 yards so if you can lock in on guys who, who are going to at least play that at even maybe maybe play at one under par over the weekend you're going to give yourself a, a stroke half a stroke to two stroke advantage on the field uh, in that spot so we're going to we're going to want to find people who excel at these particular things so we, we taking into account what you need to play well in strokes gain approach and off the tee where you need to score the par fives and where you can give yourself an advantage in the long par threes and par fours all right that sounds good so uh well let's just get into it i guess we'll we'll do what we always do we'll start at the top of the DraftKings list and work our way down uh so we have one two three six guys ten thousand and up uh or if you just want let's just do the top five that's a right 10,000, but I feel like he's kind of more appropriate for the next tier. Sure. So we have Thomas, Rom, Cantley, Kepka, and Shoffley. You know, what's your favorite of these guys? Who do you think, and who do you, who do you think is going to be the most owned out of these guys? And then, and then which, who's your favorite? Yeah, we had a little bit of a conversation about this. I think Cantley is going to be the highest owned, I think. Of the whole tournament, he, though, right? Yeah I, th- yeah, I think he's definitely going to be the highest owned of these five guys, and I think probably of the, of the tournament as well. I think it comes from a... You know, recency bias. You know, Justin Thomas just missed the cut. John Rahm's not playing well. Brooks has been off. Xander's uh, like literally not playing. Not his game's been off. He played really well last time out. And then Xander's not been playing great. He's been okay. Uh, where Canley has really great court his course history here. He's a par five beast. He's a really good ball striker, and he's he's played well this year. I think his last time he played, he he finished top eleven. So. I think Cantley probably ends up being the most owned. I think he's also probably my favorite play. If I wanted to pivot, uh, I, I, I mean, I think Justin Thomas is the best golfer in the field. And then I think Brooks Kepka provides interesting value at the price point. His last tournament, you know, he finished top 10 and, and played really, really well. But I think Kepka might be the second highest owned guy out of this range. So it, it, that's an that's a interesting pivot to make. But I think those are the three guys I'm looking at in the in the like real high up category. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to be just kind of going all in on Thomas this weekend. Um, I I also like Xander. I think um, he's a kind of an interesting pivot from from Cantlay. I think I think he'll go perhaps overlooked because there's some guys like there there's some guys that are right beneath him and, and Rose. Uh, in particular, that have better, you know, have like just stellar course history and stuff, and that so he may get pushed to the side just to so that people can save a little bit of dollars on the back end if they're trying to pair, you know, someone with Thomas or Cantley or whatever they're trying to do. Right. So, so I think Xander may go overlooked here, and I kind of like that play as well. But you know, the problem I have with Xander is that he's never. Um, like he never pops in my model, and I don't know if, if you feel that same way too. Like I guess maybe perhaps, like I feel the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so it's like I always have trouble. You know, my model is not as scientifically uh, done to a T like yours, but um, but it's so it's it's always fascinating that I can just never, really never peg him. So I just typically don't play him it, for that reason. What, but I think 
that he's interesting in this movie. Generally, like when I'm looking at, at a model, like building a model, when I'm and I'm looking at my top guys, I want to find somebody who is consistent across the board at everything, right? So let's say, for example, this week, Justin Thomas ranks 23rd, 7th, 2nd, 42nd, 13th in, in the stats we're looking at. Even like Victor Hovland, 10th, 8th, 59th, 9th, and 6th. And I think the reason Shoffley doesn't pop the way other guys do in mine, specifically, if you go through Shoffley stuff, it's 9th, 26th, 14th, but then 132 and 71 is his rankings, right? So there's always something that you that like gives me pause when I when I look at like what I'm looking at for for Shoffley. and and good players can overcome the weaknesses of their game, right? Like Xander Shoffley not being a great approach player from 175 to 200 and not playing long par fours that great is okay because he's. He, he scores incredibly well on par fives, and he's a great approach player. And, and he overcomes that to play solid. But like when I see something that I'm factoring in for the week that is that highly rated, uh, it, it, and it's not strokes game putting, it tends to give me pause. Fair enough. So, so you, you're, you're basically, if you have like a single entry or something, you're starting with Cantlay, and then you're working your way down. Yeah, I'm... I'm I think... We, we, we haven't got into him yet, but the four guys that I'm going to be targeting as the, the top-priced guy in my lineups are Cantley, Thomas, Rose, and Hovlin. So, Cantley and Thomas... Th- Thomas? Cantley, Tumnus. Cantley and Tumnus, uh, no, Justin Thomas, are going to be the, the two guys that I do target from this and, and play some lineups with. Because I think Thomas might go a little bit lower owned than he should have coming off of a week off and a miscut and also being the most expensive guy. But again, like I just think Justin Thomas is the best golfer in this field and probably the second best golfer in the world third best golfer in the world right now i don't want to put bryce at number two so uh I, I, that's because bryce is number one uh, i don't want to do that either um so <laughs> god i hate that we have to have that conversation he's he's such a jerk but anyways it's neither here nor there he's never coming on the podcast oh wait I feel like we've really missed out on an opportunity when discussing a tournament last week. I know this isn't the time to do it, but M. Johnson Wagner made a cut last week, and we didn't talk about yeah. it, and it's very important to talk about. Anyways. Yeah, he was plus one uh, on the final day, unfortunately. He really, he was like at, what, he finished minus eight? Yeah. He really kind of run into the top 30 if he had played halfway decent. I mean, I, we could have had some 59 action. He could have pushed Bryson on, on <laughs> Sunday. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for us. Johnson. How many 59s do you think M. Johnson Wagner shot in his life? More than I can count on my ten fingers and ten toes. Uh, anyways, yeah. So, but but Cantley and Thomas, those are the two guys I'm, I I will be playing and will be targeting. I'll probably be a little heavier in Cantley than Thomas, just because I think it gives me some some more roster flexibility that I want. But I, I definitely like both those guys a lot. Yeah, I may go back and re- refactor some of my lineups here to to kind of excise a little bit of my. Perhaps by Matsuyama. I think so. Like going on to the next section, I think Matsuyama is like the 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 highest risk reward guy here because I feel like that his the one thing that you really can't do on this course is just be wildly inaccurate off the tee, and Hideki certainly has that possibility. Sure. Now he gave me a lot of confidence last weekend. Um, I think this is exactly the type of course, long irons and being good around the green. That's like exactly what he's good at. So I feel right. pretty confident that he's going to do well. But if he's just going to be crazy and accurate off the tee, then he's not going to make the cut. So I feel like he's your highest risk-reward guy, but that's not really stopping me from playing him too much. 
I think this is this is the section where I think you're gonna have you're gonna this is gonna win you the tournament because or not for, for me personally I'm not a huge fan of like what's in the eight thousand range so from this like ten thousand down to to eighty one hundred range I, I like Matsuyama I like Rose I don't have a problem with Hovland I just think he's gonna be too uh, for draft, DraftKings purposes he's gonna be too popular for my taste I don't mind getting more call at a discount. Although I am a little concerned about Morikawa in the same way that I think he's going to take a, a tournament to rebound, kind of like him. Sure. And yeah. I find I misses a cut, and then it's like the whole. You know, it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like whenever uh, was it like whenever the you know the Warriors were pushing their like you know win streak, they finally you know they get the, like twenty five wins in a row or whatever. You keep pushing because you're you've won twenty five in a row, but then afterwards it just kind of takes a a, a few to kind of mentally get back to where you were. Yeah, sure. You're just at mentally such a high level. So I feel like that way for Morikawa. So I'm probably going to stay away from him. I don't mind the play, but that's just like a that's like a feel thing more than a, a stat. Yeah, I, pro- I, I probably will be playing Morikawa uh, as much this week. I, I'm not particularly, particularly high on him. The guys here, the more we talk about Masayama, the more I like him. I just think his, like you said, his course really fits the game. Or his game really fits the course. He, uh, he he played well last week, but you're right. He does have the tendency to spray the ball around off the tee. But even with that being the case, he's still sixth in strokes gained off the tee this year. Like, despite that deficiency in his game, he is he is an incredibly efficient player off the tee. So, I think he's a good player. The more you talk to me about him, the more I think he's going to end up being pretty highly owned. I think he's going to be one of the more popular guys in the like nine thousand plus range, like anchoring the top of lineups. I think I, I think I disagree a little bit on 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 your dislike distaste for the the middle range guys this 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 time around. Well, we can talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, I, I think you got I think you've got the the eye, your eye on the same guys um, I do in this range. I like Rose, I like Hovland. I think I think Hideki's interesting. But it, I think it's a matter of, of preference. Like, you can save a little bit in Hovland, or you can spend a little bit more on Hideki. Then you can spend a little bit more if you want, depending on, on what you like at the bottom. And it, I think there's there are a lot of guys that are playing well in the course fits, and I think that gives us some, some roster customization this week to let you do whatever you think is best. Uh, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, it's, it, it, again, um, it, you know, it's all... Uh, it's all pretty interesting here. I think that my my real here's my real thing with it all is that I, I these middle guys have talent, but none of them are just jumping out of the page. Like for instance, my favorite play in this like middle tier outside of who we just talked about. My favorite I'm definitely gonna be most heavy in my deck in pros. But then in this middle tier, like Fowler's not doing it for me. M, you know, just he's shaky. Agreed been super great since the reboot. I know he's had a couple of hot rounds, but other than that, he had, you know, he's missed cuts and right. stuff. I like Leishman a lot, although he, in theory, I think he fits the course, but he, he's only played one tournament since he's been back, and he didn't do awesome. Spieth has some decent course history here, but it's Spieth. Um, yeah, I've just never playing Jordan Spieth. Neiman, I, I like Neiman here. I think he's a little high, a little pricey, 
for what he's done. Um, but I, I think he certainly has the irons to, to work. But I think he's also pretty risky. I think I mean I think he easily could miss the cut. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think Neiman might be the guy we disagree on most this week. Well, I just think he's risky. I mean, I think he could do great. Well, yeah, I I think I think he's just like I I don't think there's a like big chance he misses the cut this week. Oh, okay. I, Fair enough. I mean, and then I guess he and could. then Woodland and then Woodland same thing. He's been okay since the reboot, and then Hadwin, who has actually been really good since the reboot, but has done terrible on this course for what reason I have no idea because it seems like he would play well to this course. Right. So I just don't love. I'm not in love with a lot of these guys. So I, for me, I, I have, I picked, you know, there's like, like a, oh, Kucher, I think, may be my favorite player because he's like moderately cheap. I have no, I, I think he, I don't think there's really that much of a chance that he misses the cut. Um, I mean, there's always a chance, but I think he's pretty safe. And he has won here before and he's played really well here. That would be perhaps, but he's just, you know, but he's Matt Kucher, he's not excited. Yeah, he's not. He's not exciting. And I just don't think he's as good as his last few years have been anymore. But yeah, I, you, I, I, you, yeah, he could have hit that age plateau. Yeah, yeah. he could have. I, and also, like the game's gotten longer, and like Matt Kuchar just isn't going to catch up to that. Right? Like the one of the big reasons, outside of figuring out putting, that Webb Simpson's playing so well right now is that he figured out a way for himself to to add ball speed, add clubhead speed, and so that's why he's been able to adapt these last few years and, and change his game and be able to compete still because he wasn't a long guy before and he's still not a long guy but he's doing enough to be able to compete with you know people like Rory and Bryson and, and Brooks are smashing the ball off the tee so and he's really learned to be Webb has really learned to be accurate with his fairway woods like mm-hmm. he he has a lot a lot of confidence in being able to hit that you know that fairway wood 280 yards that's a five wood too that's just absurd to me yeah so, so yeah but so uh, again, I mean that's that's my problem. Like I would rather go a little bit lower. You have some guys that are with some more variance, but some higher upside. But I don't know. I'm I don't feel great about this range. Yeah, you've kind of talked me into it. I mean, I don't feel great about any of the top guys really outside of. I'm okay with Leishman. I think Leishman has a has a high ceiling, like middle floor. I don't think it's a low floor. I don't think he has a high floor, but I, I think he like at least makes the cut. I feel relatively confident in that. I, I'll Leishman will be in a few of my lineups. I, I want to really like Gary Woodland. It seems like a course he should play well at, but he's been you know really off outside of one top ten since the reboot and the very first tournament back. This seems like a course that he should play well at as well, but I I mean I obviously don't know. What, what to expect from him. Hadwin feel the same way. He's been better. So maybe he's maybe he's the play here. Um, I, I, but yeah, I definitely agree. Neiman's my favorite guy here. I think his, his, his ball striking speaks for itself over the last few tournaments. I think he's a really, really great long iron player. Uh, we talked about it a little before the pod. You know, his, his approach proximity, he's, he's third from, from 175 to 200, and he plays long par fours at, at the 11th best clip on the PGA Tour, which, uh, like, of the top guys, is only outclassed by Hovland, who is, I mean, outside of par five scoring, his school model just blows everybody else out of the water. So I like Neiman this week. I'm a little bit little bit higher on him than you are, and he's but he's honestly the only guy I actually like-like 
in this in this price range. And now that we talk about it a little more, I understand where you're coming from. From the hey, the top of the top of the lineup is going to win you when you your when you your tournament this week. You're like nine thousand to you know seventy eight hundred guys. We want to pick guys that are going to make the cut, and then we want guys in the bottom that are are going to you know maybe kind of help carry the lineup at the top this week. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just there's two guys that I just really love in the next tier in this like in the like seven thousand range, okay. and I think that's maybe that's like what's driving it more than. I just don't think the middle guys are good because they're obviously good golfers, but I think it's what's driving it more. And so maybe, but maybe you're not feeling, maybe your perception of the 7,000 range is as high as mine is, and so therefore uh, that is changing how you view the, the higher tier. Yeah, I, I mean, it could be that. I have a few guys I like down in this 7,000 range. I'm curious to see who your two, or hear who your two, like, can't miss guys are in that range this week. See if they match up with mine at all. All right, so mine is Louis Oosthuizen and Shane Lowry. Okay, interesting. Why Louis? He's not played well since we've come back. This is true. I, I do factor that in, but that's pretty much the only negative I have about him. Out of the field, he is fourth best at 200-plus approaches. Okay. Uh, he is also... Sixth best at the 175 to 200. So I think it, as long as his, to me, what's been killing him is his, his driving. And that's certainly a possibility. He's 190th in strokes gained off the tee this year. Yeah, see? Yeah. That's the one thing that's killing him. But I think if you can figure that out, then he's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, def- I mean, I definitely I mean, agree. It's very spiffy. I understand. That's fair. Putty. But he's way. We but way better with the irons, of course. Yeah, he's but he's not been that great this year outside of long irons. Like his his approach play with, and and, and again the the point stands that you just don't have that many of those this week. His has he's a hundred eighty first total in strokes gained approach this season, which is frustrating. But then you look at where his approach shots are going to come from, and it comes from the dispersion where he's a much much better player, at least as far as this season is concerned. Normally he's really solid across the board with his irons, so. Yeah, I think I think there's some risk reward to to Louis Oosthuizen this week. I think the what the course calls for fits his game and what he's doing well right now really well, and so so I I, I definitely like that. I'm always down to play Louis Oosthuizen. I think just his recent form gives me some pause, but I understand where you're coming from. Okay, well, who would you who would you pivot to if you didn't want to do didn't want to do Louis this week? I I. I I'm a bigger fan of Cam Champ. Okay. Played two tournaments since we've come back. He's got top 15 finishes in both of those. Uh, we all, we, I mean, we know how good of a driver of the golf ball he is, but he is also, you know, like top 70 this season, I believe, in top 70 in, in strokes gained uh, approach this season. He's a par five scoring beast where we're going to have to score and. As far as like where he stands out as an iron player and and is is a little bit more in the in the longer type holes, so I I understand like it for me it was it, it's hard because when I see names like Louis Oosthuizen at seventy nine hundred and like I can fit him into a a roster I, I feel really good about it and I I always want to play Louis Oosthuizen. 
but I just feel like Camp Champ is a better play. This week, for again, $200 cheaper, maybe now you get to go up somewhere else or, or make an improvement on your roster somewhere else. I don't know that I'm going to be right. I, I think there are there, there are valid arguments to be made for both guys, for sure. Okay. Well, what about Lowry? What's your, what's your feeling on him? I did not do a bunch of Shane Lowry research, but I think this is the type of course that fits somebody like Shane Lowry, right? Like he's a solid long iron player. He's good around the greens. He's a good, he's good out of bunkers. He's got a really good short game. So I, I am fine playing, like I said, I'm, I'm fine with playing Ustazen. Uh, and I like mm-hmm. Shane Lowry at his, at his price. I think he's like a far better golfer than everybody else around his price range. Right. Like I, on either side of him is like Lanto Griffin and Ryan Armour, and he's definitely better than both of those guys. Hasn't played incredibly well this year, but I mean, I don't know. He may still just be hungover from the from the open win. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this is a course that fits Lowry. Imagine him and Tyrell Hatton like hanging out after like session one two. Oh my god, that'd be lit. That's a party that'd I want to go to. I don't even like to go to parties anymore because I'm 30 <laughs> years old and I'm an old man. But that's a party I want to go to. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I think Lowry's, to me, is is definitely, well, I think Lowry really popped in my model, so I, I feel pretty confident about him uh, doing well. He was one of a handful of players that was really good across the board, and that included uh, Rose, Hideki, and Gabriel, uh, actually. And Houston was also one one Interesting. So, um... Yeah, I, I like a couple other guys in this like high to low seven thousand range. Just quick, Ryan Palmer. He's a par five beast, so he's gonna score there for you. Uh, Corey Connors, I like him. Uh, he plays par long par fours really really well, and then strokes gained off the tee and uh, approach. He is in the top twenty. I don't know that he's gonna go out and win you a tournament, but for what you're paying for, I think you're gonna get a solid performance out of him this week. And then last two guys like Harold Varner this week. He's he's one of the guys that's really really solid uh, across the board. He's been, he's been great this year. Yeah, he's he's played great this year. Great since we've come back. And I also just like rooting for Harold Warner. I think he's a cool guy. And then uh, Joel Damon, not great. He, he's he's weirdly like uh, a poor man's Victor Hovland for me in the model. And that he's really solid at everything except for par five scoring. But I think you're gonna he's gonna give himself birdie opportunities there. And the fact that he's so good on on longer irons and uh, longer par fours and par threes is gonna is gonna maybe give him an advantage that he loses by just kind of playing with the field on par fives. Okay, fair enough. Uh, don't uh, don't hit any of those. So, I mean, so here's the thing with um, with Champ. You know, circling back to that wagon. I still I think he's going to be very popular this weekend. Yeah, I can see that. I think, and I think he only does. One thing, well, I mean, I guess so. I guess your theory behind him is is that he's, and, and this may be correct actually. The more that I think about it, the theory behind him is that he scores well on the long par fours. Now, the one thing that Champ does do that I think is going to help him on this course, and we talked about this a little before. I don't think that because when we were talking about Bubba, I don't think that the the way that the par fours are set up, these long par fours that people are going to be having, they're not going to be cutting the corners and right. having like 320-yard bombs and then 120-yard dead. Yeah. They're, they're going to be hitting like set shots like 280 yards because of the way the, way the course is where you're, you're either going to hit it long and hit it into a river if you, you know, if you don't hit it right, 
or there's bunkers everywhere. Right. That are down, or the, the fairway is very narrow, whatever the case may be. So I think that they're going to be hitting more like 200 yard shots in. And now Champ is good at that. So maybe the theory behind him, but then he's losing what he does well. So I don't, you know, I don't know how to like cancel those two things out of my head. Like, is that, is that just like more shots for him to play well, or is it taking the best stick out of his club? Their best club out of his bag. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of both. I think the reason I factored in, I, I, I just strokes gained off the tee instead of doing one of them specifically, which I, I tend to do because I try to hone in on the specifics of what you have to do with the course. And he still grades out like incredibly high there. So I think no matter what he's doing off the tee, he's doing it well. Like he, he's also a guy that like his driving irons, he plays those really, really well, and he's good at positioning off the tee. So I. I still have confidence in Cam Champ to come out and do things well. Now, and I could be wrong. It could it could be that you maybe you take the driver out of his hands a little more than than I, I want it to, and it, it causes him to suffer. Where like again, like if, if you're playing like an Ustazen, he's he's more set up to, to play a game like that. And so, I think there's I think there's some argument to be made for both. I think it's kind of the same thing with Harold Varner and, and a lot of those guys in this space where, like, you know, their their weapon is the, the driver. And, and are we going to, you know, kind of hamstring that? Are we going to handicap that a little bit too much for them to, to have a big performance? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, I think it's certainly possible. So, I... I yeah, so, I, I don't know. I, I waffle back with him. The fact that he's going to be very popular, I think, makes me not want to play him. That's pretty much where I'm going to with that. Yeah, that's fair. What do you uh, what do you think about? I'm just gonna give a couple names like uh, Maverick McNeely, who's been playing really, really well. Max Hol- I like McNeely. Okay, because I I like McNeely a little bit too. Somebody that my model likes this week, which I find incredibly interesting, is Twitter favorite Max Homa. Uh, top <laughs> top forty in strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach this season, uh, as well as top fifty in long par four scoring efficiency. Which okay, I always, talking, which I found pretty yeah, which I found pretty interesting. He's only seventy one hundred. I think he's a decent pivot if you need to to save some money here, uh, in in this particular space to get up, you know, to to the guy at the top of the, the roster that you really really want. I think he okay. along with uh, Ryan Palmer and the seven thousand plus are the two cheap guys, like you know seventy one hundred, seventy two hundred that I'm going to target if I want to, you know pivot off of a champ or a Varner or a Lowry or whatever to, to, to allow me to spend money elsewhere. So my guys in that range were, uh, were Rio and Revy and Stewart. Okay. Yeah, I, I have no problem with all those guys. I think Grio Grio grades out pretty well. I he's just frust- he's just frustrating. Yeah. It's the same reason I he's like like he's my Corey Connors. Like you're you're Corey Connors. You yeah. Corey, I like Grio and we just incredibly frustrating to root for yeah but yeah yeah i i i think that um i think those plays are fine i i think i think all those guys have something they do really really well at this course and it fits them to some extent so i don't i don't think you're hurting yourself by playing that uh anybody overvaluing accuracy off the tee here um but 
I just think to me, I, I, I like the accuracy more than I like the strips maintained off the sieges because I think it was to me it was more important. Uh, particularly whenever not every shot's gonna be with driver. Yeah, and, I, I see that. I think that's fair. Yeah. So that was my that was my thinking behind that. Okay. Now, there's, there's three cheap guys that I really like and I was really frustrated, I gotta be honest, because I was like, man, there's dude I like grades out really well. And um, and then I go, you know, I'm doing research and I'm seeing what people are saying about the course. And he's like on every free thing out there. He's like, <laughs> best chance to win is Henrik Norlander. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I like, he's a really good ball striker. He's a terrible, he's terrible around the greens and a terrible putter. Right, right, right. So with these cheap guys, you're just looking for the, one of them, one or two of them to pop in a couple of things that you're factoring in this weekend. And right. That their other thing that they suck at doesn't suck so much. Right. Uh, so, but then my favorite play of the entire weekend for betting, anyway, is Grayson Murray, who grades out really well. He's only 200, and for whatever reason, he's like way cheap on the 10 to one, or he's 33 to one for top 10, which I think is pretty wild. It's very, I mean, that's like that's like that's like Chase Kepka level of like guys who like play in like four tournaments a year, and he definitely is a pretty. You know, he, yeah, I I mean, I think the reason he's so out of whack is because he hasn't made a lot of cuts recently. But yeah, I I, I, I definitely understand both those guys, especially Norlander was a guy that like roped me in a lot early in the year when he was really struggling and not making cuts, and now he's coming off like two really solid finishes, finished right. what 14th at Click and Loan, so that's probably why he's on the free websites right now. The guy that really stands out to me that I'm going to be playing this week probably is the anchor in all of my lineups as a cheap guy is Carlos Ortiz. I don't understand why he's 6,400. He hasn't played well uh, recently since we come back. It was cut 33rd cut, and in that in that 33rd he was you know pretty low going into the last round. But as far as like what we're looking for here, I think he provides quite quite a bit of it he's he's a really solid ball striker he plays well in, uh, on longer holes he scores really well on par five so i think I, I i just don't understand his price being so low like why is he cheaper than you know like nate lashley and adam shank and sung kong this week like, i i just don't quite understand understand that for a guy that's had a little bit of success so far this season i'm gonna be playing uh, quite a bit of him I don't know why I can't get off the Harry Higgs train, but every time I put his stats in my model, he's a solid long iron player, scores on par five, so I'll probably be playing a little bit of him this week. He um, just, he lacks the upside, but and he's yeah. a little more expensive. This, isn't he a little more expensive? He's 6,500. Oh, okay. Who am I thinking about that was like, I thought it was like pretty wild. Like, I'm playing Ryan Armour, despite the fact that he's like wildly overpriced. Yeah, yeah. But I think this is another... Uh, you know, I, you can really compete better in these courses where the scoring is not going to be, you know, outrageous. Right. Uh, what are your? And it, and it may be, it may be crazy this weekend, but we'll see. What are your thoughts on playing like a Jason Duffner, who's had success here in the past like three, four years? You know, he's made two out of the three cuts since we've come back. At sixty-eight hundred, yeah. sort of thing. I don't hate it, Jason Duffner. I mean, he does. We know that he does a couple of things well that are going to be valued at this tournament in terms of what he does off the tee, what he does with his long irons. You know, he's just, I think, honestly, the thing that kills anyone with Duffner is he's just very inconsistent. Right. You know, 
all these guys at the bottom are inconsistent, but I think in terms of like, what he has at the talent level, if you were to put together some better consistency, he could really be in that 7,700-ish range, like pretty consistently with a, with a decent field like this. Sure. And then one, one, one more person I'd like to ask you about, because it's family. Uh, what do you think about Cousin Burns coming off back-to-back uh, 24th and 30th finishes? So uh, I think Cousin Burns, the one thing that I worry about with him is that his best club outside, he's only good at two things. He's good at driving and he's good at fighting. Uh, and he, if you're not going to be driving the ball as much on this course, on some of these par fours, I wonder how much it's going to happen. But he may, and, but the other thing is, and with this course, I think one of the par fives for sure is not reachable by day yeah. two. Because um, I'm just worried that it cut off like, I think Bison may try to may have, may try to do it because you can try to hit it over the water. I guess. <laughs> I, think you, I think you have to carry it like 350 to get it over the yeah. uh, that second set of uh, fairway. But obviously, no one's going to try to do that. So, um, so this despite it being a, a regular par 72 course, and maybe one where he's not using his driver as much as I think he would be. Uh, but I mean, he's played. Played well, and guys that are in form, you know, are it's important because a lot of these guys at the bottom. The problem with them is their consistency, but when they're streaky, you know, they're streaky. So they're sure. playing stretches, and they're not going to play long well stretches. So it's just about hitting them, uh, you know, before they uh, turn sour. Fair enough. That's all I got for the bottom guys. Uh, all right. And DK as a whole. Yeah. All right, let's go on to the betting. So again, you know, I'm pretty much sticking to guys that I talked about here. One guy, I mean, I don't, my favorite, outside of the Gerson Murray thing that I said earlier, my favorite bet, I think, my favorite two bets are, uh, I, I don't, why is Rose 25-1? I don't know, man. I got that one down, too. Uh, I mean, that seems like 25-1 to win. I mean, that seems crazy for someone that's had his track record. And either I'm missing something or, or Vegas is crazy, and I don't know which one it is. But, I mean, to me, that seems yeah, I think that's a value, a very valuable number. I like that number a lot. Um, I'm gonna bet Cantley to win because I think he's gonna win this week. He's a plus twelve hundred. And then other guys I like for winners: Hovland, uh, twenty two hundred. I think it's gonna happen at some point. Why not this week? Mm-hmm. Uh, Neiman, uh, forty to one. And then I, again, somebody I think is gonna win eventually. Why not a week where the course fits him pretty well? Harold Varner, hundred to one. <laughs> I like it. No, uh, I mean, like, also, I think, I think Varner at hundred to one is is. What did I? I don't remember what number I or what I texted. Oh, I texted yesterday. Kanye West sixty to one to win president. I said hashtag 60. value, and he said there's no value in something that's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't think that's the case with Varner here. Like. Normally, you get him in more talented fields than this at like sixty-six to one or eighty to one. So I don't know why he's hundred to one in a, in a tournament where I think he's going to play well, right? So I do see value in that number. I'm not going to bet a lot of money on it, but I, I think there's value in that number. Got it. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. Um, I think my second favorite bet in, in all of this is uh, Shane Lowry top ten seven and a half. To one. I just think. I think he's going to play well here. I also think Rio at 10 to 1, and considering where they are in the DraftKings, where I think Rio is at $200 less expensive than Lowry, but they're two point, he's like 2.5 more on the odds. All right. So, it's me. I think Rio has a little, not that Lowry doesn't have the upside, but like Rio does have a lot of upside. I feel the. Plays. I feel this. So I have Ryan Palmer, top 10 at 10 to 1, written down. Yeah. I feel the same way. So, 
So those are those are my like those are a few of my favorite plays. I like Carlos Ortiz top twenty at seven and a half to one a lot. Seven and a half, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. H- yeah. I I don't know. I like I, I like. I like the Ortiz, I think, more in the betting than I do with the DraftKings. So I'm just worried that he's just not playing well. And I think that, you know, maybe he's just not in form. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you there. But, but I, don't mind taking, I don't mind taking a chance on him on the betting. I just don't want to put him in a lot of my... I wouldn't want to put him in my lineups. I don't know. I have him in a couple right now, but um, I'm beginning to second-guess myself on it. I, it's an interesting thing where, like, this, I don't think this is a week where absolutely everyone needs to make the cut for you because I think there's so many questions about the the middle price pack of guys like we talked about, mm-hmm. and so the I think I I think I'm more willing this week to take the risk than Carlos Ortiz because he's such low price and I think you can have a decent performance with five guys, not the burgers making the cut. <laughs> I also like Harold Varner and at three to one for a top twenty and Holm at four to one for a top twenty. Yeah, I like I like the partner a lot. I mean, if it's top twenty, yeah. I think it's really good. What it, I, I know you don't like these bets, but given that you like Justin Rose this week and you think he's solid, what is your opinion on a plus one twenty five for a, a top twenty finish for Justin Rose? Sorry, plus one thirty five. Yeah, I. It's not my favorite because Rose is Rose also I think has pretty high points. I think I'd rather just pay a little more and, and, and to get I think he's either gonna play really well or he's like not gonna make the cut. So I guess I'd rather I'd rather put him in like the top ten range. Same with Hideki. Okay. I'd rather make that a top ten bet or a top five bet than to bet them in the top twenty. Okay. Whereas a guy like Kuchar maybe, I would be more more that's a top twenty bet I'd feel comfortable with. I do, I, I do think he's going to make the cut. Gotcha. Louis, you stay in three point three to one, top twenty. I'd rather, I'd rather, yeah. I think, I think that's solid. Because gotcha. I mean, he's so he's got longer odds, than Varner, despite the fact that he's substantially more expensive. Right. And Varner's been playing better. Yeah, that's yeah, that is pretty interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't really looked at that. Uh, I will give you some uh, betting anxiety and tell you that I'm going to play Patrick Cantlay at minus 150 for a top 20 finish this week. Oh boy, that is that is that gives me anxiety. Sure. Justin Thomas worked me over two weeks ago, so I think the golf gods deserve to. Uh, I think That's I think I deserve bad. this from the golf gods. So I also yeah, I just mean, don't. I don't really see a way unless he like. Decides halfway through the tournament to retire from golf that Patrick Cantley doesn't finish top twenty this week, or like he just starts like pooping his pants all over the course or something. I don't know. Some something like an acting odd um, has to happen. I think so. My two like my Mickelson plays will be for sure going to be Rose and JT. If they don't have their weekends, like I I just as a Justin Rose um, fan, it just feels good for me to hear you say that. Yeah, you know I don't like him, so, so here we are. I feel, I feels, I feels, I feel warm inside. My two, my I, I think, based off this conversation with you, I'm going to change it just because we have such differing opinions on this person. I think uh, Joaquin Neiman is my Mickelson guy this week. Uh, he's going to see a lot of play throughout the D, DF, DK, DK, and I confused DFS and DK. Um, <laughs> 
throughout the the DraftKings and the betting for me. So I, I think I'm gonna have a lot invested in Neiman and and be pretty dependent on him to have a good week this week to have one myself. And then probably Patrick Cantlay. I think anytime I'm gonna bet a significant chunk of money on somebody at minus one fifty, that probably qualifies as a as a Mickelson play for your boy. Two who are the who are the two guys or one guy or five guys or whatever you're you're looking to avoid this week? Um, so I think we talked about it a little bit at the beginning. I I, I just I, I just do not feel confident. So I think we talked we talked about it a little bit earlier. I I, I think honestly I will stay away from Brooks the most. At, oh, interesting. I think and. I think that's purely. I think you. I, I don't. I don't know if you're right about the fact that he may be the second most highly owned guy, but I, I just think this is like kind of a thinking course, and I just always kind of worry about whenever Brooks has to play the thinking courses. So. So you think Brooks is good and funny, but dumb? Is that the hot take we're getting on on in the bag podcast I today? I don't think he's dumb. I just think he lacks. I, I worry about. He, so he's. So. In, in my opinion, he's not amazingly great around the greens. One thing he is really good at is if he can get the ball back into the fairway and he has to make like a like a thirty yard chip or you know like a little pitch shot, fantastic at those. Whenever he gets around the rough, I worry about him making mistakes. I don't think he's a great bunker player uh, by any means either. Right, so, I definitely agree with that. And so I'm gonna stay. I think that's who like top end guy I'm saying away is. The other guy, two guys I'm staying away from for very similar reasons, I think, I, I, is Wolf. I think we've talked about him a little bit. But, I mean, he's not played well since the reboot, except for last weekend. But he played terrible before that. His price hadn't been over, like, 6800 6900 And then last week, he pops off. He just plays really, really well. And now his price is 8100 And he's probably going to be one of the most highly owned guys because people are going to go, Oh, he's good. He finished second last week. And he's only eighty one hundred. I'm gonna play him, right? Like, I, I, right. I, I, Wolf is my guy, along with Jordan Spieth. He just has a standing place in this in this category for me. Uh, but those are my two guys. So I definitely agree on Wolf. I think that Spieth is gonna play okay. <laughs> no, that's I, crazy. I don't care. I'm not <laughs> taking the risk. Fair enough. I just don't think he's like a complete stairway. Yeah, that's fair. So, that's, that's just personal know. preference. Yeah. So those are the those are my two guys. Yeah. Anybody that you think is not going to be as highly owned that just kind of draws you in this week? Leishman. I I don't have Leishman written down, but he was what I was thinking. I also think Varner might go a little bit under the radar ownership wise. And I kinda, Which is crazy because of I mean he's just been killing it. Yeah. Also he's funny and he wears Jordan Brand. Those are yeah. very important yeah, he, things. He's he's definitely the best looking golfer out there. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. Every single week. You got anything else for us before we sign off today? No, I think that's good. Because that's all we have for you this week. If you want to interact with the show or either of us, you can find the show on Twitter at InTheBadCast, Slaughter at Slaughter, and myself at JamesPaul4. You can also find us on Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, and I think all other podcast places I've got us put up on now uh, at InTheBadCast. We appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to listen to us. Happy investing this weekend. And we hope you'll tune in again next week so we can help make sure you have the right clubs in the bag. Thanks again for listening and stay safe.